0: like to read a little bit of something here before we get started these are statements taken from a courtroom various just assorted statements judge well gentlemen of the jury are you unanimous foreman of the jury yes your honor we're all alike temporarily insane (laughs) these are all real These are from a transcripts of court. Attorney, doctor, did you say he was shot in the woods? Witness, no, I said he was shot in the lumbar region. (laughs) Attorney, officer, what led you to believe the defendant was under the influence? Witness, well, because he was argumentary and couldn't pronunciate his words. (laughs) Attorney, Mrs. Jones, is your appearance this morning pursuant to a deposition notice, which I sent your attorney? Defendant, no, this is how I dress when I go to work. <laughs> Defense attorney, when he went, had you gone and had she, if she wanted to and were able for the time being, excluding all the restraints on her not being, uh, not going also, would he have brought you, meaning you and she, with him to the station? Mr. Brooks, objection, that question should be taken out and shot. <laughs> Upheld. <laughs> Attorney, I understand you're Bernie Davis' mother. Witness, yes. How long have you known him? <laughs> Attorney, now I'm going to show you what has been marked as State's Exhibit No. 2 and ask if you recognize this picture. Defendant, that's John Fletcher. And that's you? Yes, sir. And you were present at the time of this picture taken. <laughs> That's not just for comic relief. But the intricacies, as we see, of legal language and uh, legal precedent uh, sometimes gets past people, even the people asking the questions, as we can see. The people who sometimes are supposed to know what they're talking about sometimes don't get what things they're talking about. Uh, Legal language is... um, very intricate, very detailed. Um, we're going to be looking this month at a slightly different topic. Uh, when we talk about the uh, the titles of Christ, we're looking at five five Sundays, and, and it's kind of worked out that there's five different titles that surround this concept of Christ's role, Christ's position as it relates to legal. Matters. Yeah, I know you don't think of that like Christ in, as uh, involved in legal matters, um, but there are different things that surround Christ in this in this field of of legal representation. And we're going to begin this week uh, in Hebrews chapter nine, and we're going to spend actually most of our time with this set of verses. It's uh, pretty intricate, and there's uh, some details here. Uh, in fact, this. This, uh, this text will provide us our title for this week and for next week. Uh, Hebrews is a very legal book. It was, uh, it's believed to be written by Paul, um, and it's full of the law. It's very legal, and so Christ is in and around this entire book. And so we will find that Christ has uh, a lot of things to do with us legally, and so, uh, let's read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. He says, uh, For this cause he is the mediator of a new testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no power at all while the testator lives. Now, you have a different version um, I borrowed this from uh, King James uh, and brushed up the these and the those. But, uh, but there's a reason for it. And that's because some of the modern translations have a little difficulty with some of the, the intricacies of legal language. So they kind of modernize it and make it presentable for people who aren't, you know, we're just not around that language or the most of us aren't uh, on a regular basis. So So there's some words in here. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the concept of a testator. And yes, what in the world is a testator? That is not the person that oversees your final exams. Um, for those of you who are taking finals exams this week. Uh, it has nothing to do with tests. As you see, sometimes court language is difficult. And, and as we're talking about this, this whole year going through and saying, well, how we're going to learn to know Christ better through these roles that he's provided us and told us, this is how you can have a relationship with me through this through this uh, position and this role and this function that I do. How in the world can you have a relationship with him through something that you don't even know what the word means? So we want to look a little bit at what a testator is. Well, <clears throat> to do that, we're going to have to look at some words. And, and this is why uh, it's a, it, we get... A little bit, I know, I know. We'll just just hang with me for a little bit. Uh, the concepts here are based on really two words, or one of two words. When we're talking, about the, we talked about the word testament. Some of yours say covenant, and and we'll explain a little bit of that as we go through two words that are important: as suntheke and diatheke. And what are these words? Well. The one, the one good thing is that even if I didn't know what these words meant, I could, I could just kind of cross those out. Whatever those two words mean, those are identical. So I just have to worry about the prefix, and we could understand a little bit about what Christ does through these words. But we're going, we're going to actually look at this word. And we're going to get the root word, and then we're going to figure out what the prefixes mean, right? Um, because in English, in English, we have Tons of words for legal uh, and binding agreements between people. We have tons of them. We have contracts and pacts and accords and covenants and wills and treaties. And we, uh, we love those things to be specific. Those two words that we saw are the entirety of Greek concepts. That those two words summed it all up and so everything fell under that. So so in your version it might say covenant. Another version says testament. We're going to see that that those really are, the, they're not the same thing, but they would be grouped together under Greek jurisprudence. So theke is a word that means to place or to establish. Not like place, like where did I put my keys. Right, that happens on a routine basis. That's Accidental. I put my key somewhere and I can't find them. But this is like a. I meant to put this here. This is placed here to establish. And so, so theke means that. So, so they take this word. There's this is there's this thing that's organized, that's established, and it's placing here. And so, based on this, they use this as the root for all of their legal uh, definitions. And so, they have two different prefixes. Well, there's this word "soon." We might recognize that. Maybe you don't, but uh, it means alongside or together. We have similar synonyms, uh, such as sin, from synonym, right? Another word for, uh, or "sim" like symmetry, right? Come from this Greek word "soon." So it has to do with things that are uh, next to or parallel. Or in, a, in agreement with one another in this sense that it, this works most like our word contract. Where two people decide to enter into an agreement together. We have this other word, dia, which means through or over. It actually means a tons of things. It has to do with a channel of direction or movement from one thing to other. It shows if you are crossing something, you would you might use dia. It might mean over. It might mean through. However this means... But this channel of going from one thing to another thing. And so we have these two, uh, and this is the one that's translated covenant or testament. And this is important. Why is this important? We're going to see... that There's this an interesting thing, is that in the Bible well, specifically the New Testament, because the New Testament is written in Greek, that this word suntheke is never used to describe the arrangement between God and man. Ever. Never. Not one person ever decided that he would use this. It is always this one. Let's go beyond that, because... The Old Testament written in Hebrew. Completely different words. But it was translated. uh, Before Christ. It was translated into Greek. Called the Septuagint version. And not one time in the entire Old Testament. Is the agreement between God and man. Ever translated into Greek. As suntheke. Always is this. Something caused the writers and the translators. To avoid that word. So we want to know the test data as we break down these words there's something important in what we just said and that is that god has never entered into a contract with man we have never been peers With God. You want to know God? We've talked about, or Christ, and knowing the testator. It requires self awareness. We are not always so self aware. Last week, I went into Menards. As I was coming out, I saw a guy who was about 70 years old. I told you I was going to get this into a sermon. He was wearing a mullet. And some of you don't know what a mullet is. It's about where your hair looks normal here, right until about here, and then you get a long thing. And my thought was, as I was leaving, was that he was too old for that. The first time it was in style. <laughs> I mean, not self-aware. Not self-aware. We sometimes are not so self-aware. And we're not self aware in a relationship sometimes. Sometimes we act like we have suntheke with Christ, with God. It's like, no. Nope. What do you mean? Ask, he says, and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open to you. This describes the relationship of God to us. We are not equals. Don't bargain. You can't bargain with God. But we think sometimes that we get this opportunity in prayer to bargain with God. I will do this if you will do this. That's a contract. You don't have Shuntheke. You ask, and God gives. It's over. It's a cross this divide between God and us, that anything comes. It's not a coincidence that every writer and translator avoided that word like the plague. They wanted nobody who understood those words in their own language to get the wrong idea about how this arrangement works. So, self-awareness. We're moving at a pretty good clip. It's heavy material, so we'll be a little bit shorter this morning. Non-presumption is the second thing of two things that we want to talk about that are important We talk about familiarity in a relationship, and that's important. To be familiar with God, not to be so distant from God that that we treat God as something that can't be associated, someone that can't be associated with me. There was a a movement, a religious movement called deism that that held that that God placed everything here and let it go, and, and He's not... Involved any way in our lives? That's incorrect. It was almost so reverent of God that God couldn't be connected with us because we're He's so much higher. It was so reverent of God it became incorrect, if that's possible. And that's not accurate. So I want to avoid that. And yet we can become so familiar with God in the way we think of things that we become casual. That happens in relationships, where well, we're just so casual about how we interact with God. I want to look at this word. I want to go back um, and look at Hebrews 9:15, because there's a in this verse is something that's a little bit difficult because and trust me. I, don't, I try to stay as little to these definitions of things because I'm not Greek. never spoken Greek. I never will know Greek. And I kind of rely on what other people said. And, and when you're on a topic where no one, dis, no one agrees about things, it makes it very difficult to sort through the material. So I just try to keep it extremely basic and draw the best conclusions we can. What is this? Is this a covenant? A testament? What are they? Because there's, there's only two words. And then there's all these different things that we have in our culture that they didn't necessarily understand all the differences between. We kind of have to look at their, um, the context to determine what these words mean after we get the basic idea. Because, okay, so it, do you think, there's, there's this thing from God to us. It's, it's not partnered. But then what? Well, he says, for this cause, he's the mediator of a New Testament. And as I said, some of you say New Covenant. Is there a difference? Are they synonyms? Not exactly. It's, it's not too bad. If yours says Covenant, it's, it's fine. But I want to get the full meaning of this. Because this is an important verse. That by means of death and for the redemption of transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So when we talk about inheritance, that's, that's the setting of this context. That is going to determine specifically what this word that we're talking about is, it's not talking about a covenant. Under a different topic, it would be the, the Bible references covenant, but specifically in this passage, he is using this word to describe a last will and testament. What do you mean by that? Well, And what does that have to do with my relationship with God? He's a testator. We sometimes don't have self-awareness and sometimes we don't have awareness of God. What I mean by that, how many of you have had to have the discussion about the thief on the cross? This passage explains that concept. I want to illustrate this today. You can rest assured that I will not be playing this for a number of reasons, but one of them is that this guitar is uh, strung upside down. It's actually in tune uh, because, now why would this be strung upside down? It was played like this. And if I tried to play it like this, it it really wouldn't sound good. Because I don't know what I'm doing over here with this hand. This is my grandfather's guitar. Uh, He passed away in uh, December. And he refused to learn it the right way. So he strung it upside down. (laughs) That's my grandpa. I will stay like that, by the way. A will is in force while men are alive," he says, or excuse me, only after men are dead. It's not in force. So had my grandpa I don't know if he had a will, but had my grandpa put this in the will to go to my uncle Ed? Too bad. because this was given to me by grandpa. Before he died, that's important. Because the thief on the cross was given access to heaven before Christ died. A will only is in force while men are dead. So Christ can give his stuff the way he wants before he's dead. No arguments. Christ has a unique position in history. In that he is the only man to ever serve as the uh, what do they call that the executor of his own will. Say what? Yes, he's the only person who ever was the executor of his own will. We have that account. What is Christ's will? Christ, come back and listen to what he says. All authority is given to me. I am the executor. I am going to tell you what I want. This is my will. These four statements sum up the entire New Testament. I say, what? There's not one thing you can show me from the New Testament in terms of what we are required to do that doesn't fall under at least one of these categories. Everything. Now, much like you would have a will, there would be summary explanations, and that's what the rest of the New Testament is. Christ goes back, he says, this is my last words to you, this is my last will and testament, this is what I want to happen. And he executes his will. Go, make, baptize, and teach. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Everything. The observances. Observe. Go. I have taught you these things to observe. Do them. Baptize. This is how you enter the See, because you don't have the ability to form the contract, he formed the, the arrangement. And says, this is how you get to be a part of it. You can choose to or not to. That's your choice. But we don't bargain on... These things are not for bargaining. God doesn't say, well, I'll accept three of these things. All four. That's Christ's will. The thief on the cross was the last person on the planet to get a special arrangement of his own. And after that, the will has been executed, both literally and figuratively. And we have access to a relationship with Christ through this will. You will not get to heaven by a sinner's prayer because it's not in the will. You will not get to heaven failing to observe. This is God's will. You will not get to heaven sitting on a pew. Or pew chairs. I'm not sure who's... Go. Make. Baptize. Teach. This is God's will.